Chapter Eight of Stories of the Lifeboat by Frank Mundell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Last Chance. Exactly ten years after the events narrated in the previous chapter had taken place, the Ramsgate lifeboatmen were again conspicuous for their gallantry in saving life under the most trying circumstances. About one o'clock on the morning of the 6th of January, 1891, the schooner Crocodile, bound for London with a cargo of stone, ran ashore on the Goodwins. Blinding snow squalls prevailed at the time, and the wind blew with the force of a hurricane. Immediately the vessel struck, she turned completely round and went broadside on to the sands. On realising their position, the crew burnt flares made by tearing up their clothes and soaking the rags in oil, and attracted the attention of those on board the Gull lightship, who immediately fired signal guns to summon the lifeboat. Scarcely, however, had the flare been burned than the sailors were compelled by the high seas to take to the rigging. Great waves swept the decks, carrying everything before them. Even the ship's boats were wrenched from the davits and whirled away as if they had been toys. In answer to the guns, the Ramsgate tug and lifeboat were manned and steered in the direction of the flare. Huge seas broke over the lifeboat and froze as they fell on the almost motionless figures of the boatmen. The snow came down in pitiless showers, enveloping them in its white mantle. In a short time, the tug had towed the Bradford to windward of the vessel. Then the rope was thrown off, the sail was hoisted, and the boat made for the wreck. She had not gone far before a terrific snow squall overtook her. Fearing that they would be driven past the vessel without seeing her, the coxswain ordered the anchor to be thrown out. This was done, and the boat lay to till the sudden fury of the gale had spent itself. Then the anchor was hoisted in, and all sail made for the wreck. Again the anchor was let go, just to windward of her, and the lifeboat was veered cautiously down. As they drew nearer, the men could see the crouching figures of the sailors lashed to the rigging. They seemed more dead than alive, and gazed upon the men who were risking their own lives to save them with the fixed stare of indifference or death the lifeboat ran in under the stern and was brought up alongside the grapnel was got out and one of the men stood up ready to throw it into the rigging on the first favourable opportunity suddenly a mighty billow swooped down upon them the anchor cable five inches thick was snapped like a thread, and the boat was borne on the crest of the wave far out of reach of the wreck. As quickly as possible, the sail was again set, 
and the trusty bradford made for the tug which was burning blue lights to show where she was after many attempts a rope was secured on board and the aid steamed to windward the second time with the lifeboat in tow once more she was in a favourable position for the wreck and the rope was cast off and the sail hoisted the second and last anchor was let go and the cable was slowly slackened if they failed this time the men must perish it was a terribly anxious moment but fortune favoured them and the lifeboat was successfully brought into her former position alongside the hull of the crocodile was now entirely under water and her deck was washed by every wave high up in the rigging on the side opposite to that on which the lifeboat lay the crew were huddled the only way for them to reach the lifeboat was by climbing to the masthead and coming down on the other side this is a feat which requires no little steadiness of hand and eye and when we remember that these poor sailors had been exposed for nearly five hours on this january night to the full fury of a wintry storm we shall be better able to appreciate the terrors through which they passed before they found themselves safe in the lifeboat in obedience to the coxswain's order they unlashed themselves and began to crawl aloft every sea shook the vessel and as she settled again on the sands the mass bent almost double their progress was slow but before long they were in a position to be rescued this was done with great difficulty for the heavy seas caused the lifeboat to strike against the vessel several times with considerable violence but her cork fender protected her from injury at length the whole crew of six men were hauled safely on board the captain alone remained to be rescued high up in the masthead he could be seen preparing to cross from the opposite side benumbed by the cold and bewildered by the swaying of the masts he paused for a moment the lifeboatmen sheltered words of encouragement to him and he prepared to come on but he missed his hold and fell into the seething waves eddying round the wreck as he fell his lifebelt caught on something and was torn off and before the boatman could lay hold of him he was swept out of their sight for ever the lifeboat was quickly got clear of the wreck and proceeded under sail to the tug which was in waiting some distance off ramsgate was reached about eight o'clock in the morning where the rescued men were supplied with dry clothing and food of which they stood greatly in need there is a circumstance of peculiar interest connected with the wreck of the crocodile two days before she struck on the sands her sister ship the kate also laden with stone was stranded on the goodwins on that occasion 
the lifeboat mary somerville of deal went out to assist the lifeboatmen were employed to throw the cargo overboard and try to get the vessel afloat this was successfully accomplished and on the morning of the day on which the crocodile was wrecked her sister ship was towed into ramsgate harbour with her crew of nine men on board End of chapter 8